Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis 21, how Hagar lost all hope in realizing the inevitable death of her son Ishmael. But when she lifts up her voice, God doesn't hear her voice, but hears the voice of her son Ishmael. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org and also available at iTunes.com. That's friendshipwithgod.org and iTunes.com. You can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to support financially with your donation this Bible teaching radio program, this Old Testament teaching Bible radio program from Tom Cantor. If you enjoy this program and would like to continue supporting it on this station in your city, we need your support at friendshipwithgod.org. You can donate online with a one-time donation. Or if you'd like to be a monthly sponsor and donate, you can call us at 800-247-3051. We can take your donation right over the phone, 800-247-3051. Now, if you'd like to write in, you can also send in your donation to Friendship with God. That's Friendship with God at P.O. Box 711-330. I'll say that again. It's P.O. Box 711-330, and that's in Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. So again, that's Friendship with God at P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, 92071. You can send in your support or even send in a letter of encouragement to Tom Cantor and our ministry. We'd love to hear a testimony from you. Now, if you'd like to email Tom Cantor, you can do so at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. And you spell Cantor, C-A-N-T-O-R, C-A-N-T-O-R, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Send him an email. Let him know you're listening. If you'd like to sign up for his daily devotional verse, you can go to friendshipwithgod.org. Sign up for that. You can also go there to send a free gift to a lost Jewish person. You can sign up for that right online at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's Tom Cantor teaching us today from Genesis 21, how Hagar lost all hope but lifted up her voice. But God didn't hear her voice but heard the voice of her son Ishmael. And so on our compound... They, the, the 12 acres there in Budajira that is about two and a half hours south of Odison. So they, they, they said, okay, we, we got to drill the well. And so I said, okay, you know, we drill the well. And then, and then the, the, well, the well man comes and he says, well, you know, I have to find the water. I said, well, how are you do that? He said, I got a, uh, you know, witching stick, a witching stick. You know, <laughs> I said, I walked around this whole property with everybody here. I prayed the perimeter of this property. Uh, I gave this property to God. This property is for God. Nobody's going to come on here with a witching stick. <laughs> you know, we're not going to go to the witch, to the devil, and, and ask for the water. I said, no, we're not going to do that. He said, well, if we don't use the witching stick, then you have to decide. You know, where, you know, I said, well, how am I supposed to know? And so he, he, they said, well, where should we drill? And I just went like this. I said, I don't know, drill it there. Just like that. <laughs> I just said, I don't know, drill it there. I said, like that. So they set up the big, huge, you know, well drilling thing, and they drill the thing. That is the most productive well they've ever seen in Ethiopia. <laughs> that well puts out 200 gallons a minute. That's an unbelievable amount of water. It's enough to provide all the city with the millions of inhabitants with water. It's just so much water comes out of there, you know. So anyway, that was God's provision. He, 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 he. He honored. So, okay. So now, on the one hand, we have man's bottle water that will only result in thirsting again, but God's well of water springing up with a promise, you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. You have this water. And it's the same idea what he said in John 6, 35. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. And this state, 
that state of never hungering, never thirsting again, is how believers are described in heaven. That's the description of believers in heaven in Romans in, in Revelation 7.13, 7.16. Revelation 7.16, where it says, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ does. He's promising that the soul that's hungry, the soul that's thirsty for God, that, will, that only God can bring this deep, deep satisfaction. He's promising that if any soul comes to him with this devastating despair of this hunger, he said, I'll put in that soul my Holy Spirit. It'll be a continual fountain of soul satisfaction. That's what he's referring to. And so what he told the Gentile woman at the well was that that was, was, that was a person, that he was the person, that he was the gift of God. And the Gentile woman, she was willing, she was willing to discover that gift of God as the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he, by his Holy Spirit, could become in her this fountain of living water. She was willing to discover. If your name is, I don't care what your name is. If, it's like the Filipino pastor that told me, I told you this, in the past, where he said, I just met a first Jewish person. Oh, really? Well, and he was, she said, I'm absolutely shocked. And why? He said, because the Jewish person told me, I'd rather go to hell than believe in Jesus Christ. This woman was not, would not rather go to hell than believe in Jesus Christ. She said, I'll discover. And so as we read in John 6, how this Gentile woman received the Lord Jesus Christ, it emphasizes to us, as we read this, what the tragedy this is for the Jewish people. When we read John 6, it's wonderful for the Gentiles. Uh, you know, you're all Gentiles, I'm sorry, except for one of you. Anyway, I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, God bless you, and that's wonderful, and I'm happy for you. And, and this is very good for this you know, woman in John 6 as well. But when you read this, it just emphasizes the tragedy for the Jewish people, the tragedy of it all. And the current tragedy of the Jewish people is that unlike this Gentile woman who wanted to receive the water, wanted to receive God's gifts, wanted to receive, and if the name was Jesus, that was okay. See, the Jewish people today, they do not want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as God's gift to them. The Jewish people today do not want to receive God's gift, the Lord Jesus, if his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. If he's the hope of Israel, they don't want the hope. And they don't want the fountain of living waters, which is exactly what the prophet Jeremiah revealed when he said in Jeremiah 17, 13, O Lord, the hope of Israel, gives his title, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, they that depart from thee shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. And in this verse, the Lord Jesus Christ is called this very unique term, the hope of Israel. It's a very special title in the Bible for God. The hope, the hope, you know, that, 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 as you know, that's it. even the little kid can't take me, you know, so I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyway, all right. The hope, the hope is the name of the national anthem, as you know, of Israel, Hatikva, the hope. And, and, and we know that Jehovah Jesus, by, the, by this title, he, he, he's got, that's his title. He's the hope of Israel. He's also the king of the Jews. That's the title over his, his, his cross, the king of the Jews. In addition to being the king of the Jews, there's another great title for the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you put that, we put that down on all of the names of the Lord. He's the king of the Jews. He's El Shaddai. He's Adonai. He's Savior. He's Messiah. He's the hope of Israel as well. So the title, the hope of Israel, links the Lord Jesus Christ in that verse in, 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 there that, to the fountain of living waters. 
The hope of Israel is the fountain of living waters, which if the Gentile woman knew the book of, of Jeremiah, she would have understood that he was speaking right out of the scriptures as the hope of Israel when he spoke about the fountain of living waters. And the current tragedy of the Jewish people is that they've forsaken the Lord Jesus Christ by saying he's for the Gentiles, he's not for Jewish people. How many times have I heard that? He's not for the Jewish people, it's for the Gentiles. And if you believe that, you're another goy. And, and the tragedy of the promise in Jeremiah 17, 13 is about what happens to everyone who forsakes him. It's not like, you know, well, you got your religion. He says, the, he says that the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed. And they that depart from thee shall be written in the earth. Shame, written in the earth. Not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Not written in heaven, written in the earth. So this title of the Lord Jesus Christ as the hope of Israel is precious. It's preciously rare, and it's special. As a matter of fact, this verse is only one of two verses, both in the book of Jeremiah, that reveal Jehovah Jesus as the hope of Israel. The other verse there is Jeremiah 14.8, where it says, Oh, the hope of Israel, the Savior thereof in time of trouble. Why shouldst thou be a stranger in the land? As, and as a wayfaring man that turneth aside for, to tarry for a night. See, the only, that's the only other place where this is used. That's why Paul, at the end of his life, when he's in prison, and he's, and he's at this last recorded time that Paul spoke to the Jewish people. It's really momentous in, in, in Acts 28, 20. He's giving his final address to the Jewish people. After that, he's going to go meet the executioner's flock. And he says in Acts 28, 20, for this, he's explained to them, why are you bound? They're looking at him and say, you know, he seemed to be an intelligent man. You know, he got some good credentials, Roman, you know, speaks several languages. What's the matter with you anyways? They're looking at him. And he, he said, why, what's wrong with you? And so in Acts 28, 20, he explains to them. He says, for this cause, therefore, have I called you, called for you to see you and to speak with you because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. He says, that's what's wrong with me. He says, I have clung, I have clung, I have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as the, as the hope of Israel, and therefore I'm chained up. All right, so now, the bottle of water, you're wondering, how do we ever get over there from the bottle of water? You know, don't ask me, I don't know. But anyway, the bottle of water in verse 14 is symbolic of what the Jewish people have chosen instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was a great lament it was a great lament of God. The prophets are a lot of God lamenting. You know, God, God does a lot of lamenting. You know, you feel sorry for God and the prophets, you know. And, and, and he's, you know, he says, my people. Have, every time he says, my people, you, you kind of go, oh, no, what's he going to say now? Well, in Jeremiah 21, 12, sorry, Jeremiah 2.13, he has one of these, my people, and you go, oh, oi. He says, my people. And so Jeremiah 2.13 says, for my people have committed two evils. He's counting they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, no less, broken cisterns that can hold no water. See, he's lamenting. He's lamenting over what they have. What they, he's lamenting over what they could have had, and, but because of prejudice, and they despised and rejected him, it, it, it's, a, it's a lament. And, and, and he says this in Psalm 81, 16, where he says, David says, if they hadn't done that, he, David goes, he should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. 
He wanted to, you know, it shows the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted to feed them with the finest of wheat. Not just common wheat, the finest of wheat, the best wheat. Probably the same wheat they make to use postum, I don't know, but it's very good wheat. And, and he wanted to satisfy them with honey out of the rock. So he wanted to amaze them. He wanted to, to, he wanted to do all this. But, but that was a tragedy. Okay, so let's turn back our focus to, from Abraham and the giving of the water in Genesis 21. We are there, in case you wondered. And now at the end of the verse, 14, God now shifts our focus back onto Hagar. Hagar's on the stage. And we saw Hagar. We've seen her now. She's in the desert. She has absolutely no idea where to go in the desert. She's like a drunken person. She's staggering in the heat. She's going around in circles. She's going back and forth. She doesn't have a clue from place to place. All she knows is that she's getting cooked by the sun out there. And we saw in verse 14, the, uh, verse 15, all the water is now used up. And, and she figures that I'm going to die. Ishmael's going to die. So she takes Ishmael and she puts him under one of the shrubs. And we focus in on that scene and the phrase in verse 15, especially, the water in the bottle was spent. It was gone. There's no more water. And we saw how that phrase describes the times in our lives. Think about it. How when in our lives, when we had, we were like Hagar, wandering around in the desert. We had no purpose, no eternal purpose in life, no really meaningful purpose in life. And like Hagar, all we were doing is just spending away the days of our lives, the resources, everything, until finally we reached the point of the water in the bottle was spent. It's sad. It's sad. And in verse 15 and 16, now God now focuses on this sad state of Hagar's troubled soul. And so we read, verse 15, The water was spent in the bottle. She cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot, for she said, Let me not see the death of the child. She said, That's too much. I can't see the death of the child. And she sat over against him, and she lifted up her voice and wept, it says. Now notice how what we read in verses 14 through 15 is a description of a sequence of events that you could call the sequence to despair. Because she's really, just, this is it. And her only hope for survival was in that bottle. And then we read, you know, we, can, we could feel it, you know, shaking. The, the, there's nothing, the bottle is the water is spent in the bottle. So with all hope lost now, Hagar realizes that she's going to watch the inevitable death of Ishmael. And then that's, it's not only her son, she's going to watch die. It's, it's a mirror. She's going to die, too. She doesn't want to watch that. And so she puts Ishmael away who's, uh, under this shrub. He's now too weak to go on. She puts him under a shrub, and she waits for death. And, and she goes away off. She sits down, and she says to herself, I can't stand to see the death of my son. And then we read that she, that she does the, the, the only thing that she can do at this point, which is she lifts her voice up to God with her last strength, and she's pouring her heart out to God. Now, look at the words very carefully. Voice. Look at the word voice. Look at the word voice in verse 16 and verse 17. Now, what do you see strange about the word voice in verse 16 and 17? What? Okay. All right, do you get that? See, in verse 16... It says, and she sat over against him and lift up her voice. Whose voice? Hagar's voice. And, and then in verse 17, what it says, and God heard the voice of the lad. And, God, and then he said again, God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Now, wait a minute. We only read about one voice 
in verse 16, is the voice of Hagar. We don't really have any voice of the lad. And so, so that should be the voice that God hears. God should be hearing the voice of Hagar. Hagar is lifting up her voice. But it specifically says twice, so we don't miss it, in verse 17, that God heard the voice of Ishmael. But the only voice we heard about being lifted up was verse 16, was the voice of Hagar. So what's going on? So when God responds to Hagar, he says, he doesn't say, I heard your voice. She's the one who's yelling. I didn't hear your voice. She just says, he says, I heard the voice of the lad, where he is. And so Hagar could say, what do you mean? You, 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 you heard the voice of the lad where he is, you know, what am I, chopped liver? You know, she could have said that, but she didn't. But anyway, she, she's the only one lifting up her voice. And we don't read that Ishmael was lifting up his voice. So God says he hears the voice of Ishmael. Why? Because God has ordained, when he named Ishmael, that was the naming of God. God named him Ishmael. That means God will hear. And so he has said, my ears are going to be open to him. His name is Ishmael. His name means God will hear. And, in this, and, and this is a picture for us. This is a very important picture. Because in the same way that God had ordained to hear the voice of Ishmael, and he did, in the same way he's ordained, God has ordained to hear one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. In Isaiah 53.12, it says, He poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many. And he made intercession. He prayed for the intercessors. Wherefore, in Hebrews 7.24.25, Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost, the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession. Same word as in Isaiah 53.12. Make intercession. Pray for them. John 14.6, he says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I am it. It is me. No man comes to the Father but by me. One word that Paul uses in Romans and Ephesians that emphasizes that we are heard because of his prayers for us, and we find it in Romans 5 too. By whom also we have access by faith unto this, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In Ephesians 2.18, for through him, so by him, for through him we have both access by one spirit unto the Father. Ephesians 12. 3.12, in whom, see, by him, through him, in whom, we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So when it says in verses 16 and 17 that Hagar lifted up her voice and God heard the voice of Ishmael, it shows us that Hagar had access to God because of Ishmael. And it teaches us in a picture we have access to God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So just as when Hagar's prayer was answered because God heard the voice of Ishmael, so our prayers are answered because God hears the prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. And it's another way that we are complete in him. As it says in Colossians 2.10, very important verse, you are complete. You are complete in him. Complete in him. You have everything. You're complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So God does not look at our lives and say, oh, I'm impressed. I'll forgive him. He looks at the life and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he looks at that, and then he, he forgives our sins. And this scene here of God hearing the words of Ishmael and answering the cries of Hagar 
is a picture of us, of God the Father hearing the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God the Father gazing on his Son, whom he's well pleased, likes to look at him, gazing upon the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God sees, as we've just come away from Good Friday last Friday, God sees the cross. He sees that cross, and when he sees that cross, he sees, I see a sacrifice. That's what God sees in the cross. He forgives us, and then what happens to us? We get peace. By his stripes you are healed. We get peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. We get peace with God. And that's what it means to be saved and to have peace with God. When a person does exactly the same thing that God the Father does, he personalizes it for himself, the person is saved. And there's no better words than the words of Robert Murray McShane's hymn when he put it this way. He said, I hear the words of love. I gaze upon the blood. I see the mighty sacrifice, and I have peace with God. See, to personalize that, you would put it this way. I hear the words of love to me. I gaze upon the blood shed for me. I see the mighty sacrifice made for me, and I have peace with God. That's what it means to be saved. So you get the full impact of what his words are in this, in this hymn that he wrote. And you think, you, you got to remember the, the, the four verbs. The verb, I hear, I gaze, I see, I have. You got it? All right, listen carefully. He says, I hear the words of love. I gaze upon the blood. I see the mighty sacrifice. And I have peace with God. First verb, I hear. What did he hear? The words of what? Okay, very good. <laughs> okay, very good. All right, so you don't make me feel bad. Okay, I hear the words of love. From where are the words of love? That's the word of God, right? And he gazes upon what? The blood, okay. The blood of the Lord Jesus, that's right. The blood, where was the blood shed? On the cross, very good, okay. All right, I'm, I'm just seeing if you're following me. <laughs> and he says, and I see, what did he see? The mighty sacrifice where do you see that? The, the, what was he there? Who was the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross? Was he an unfortunate person at the wrong place at the wrong time? Was he a martyr? No, he was a mighty sacrifice. That's what happened there at the cross, a mighty sacrifice. It's all a mighty sacrifice, the same mighty sacrifice that was spoken about in Isaiah 53, 6, where it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, the mighty sacrifice. Isaiah 53, 8. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, the mighty sacrifice. Isaiah 53, 10. It pleased the Lord to bruise, bruise him. He's put him to grief. Well, thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, the mighty sacrifice. I hear the words of love. I gaze upon the blood. I see the mighty sacrifice. And I have what? Peace with God. I have peace with God. Isaiah 53, 5, as we said. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our what? Peace was upon him. I hear the words of love. I gaze upon the blood. I see the mighty sacrifice, and I have peace with God. Is there no peace with God? It's time to hear the words of love. It's time to gaze upon the blood. It's time to see the mighty sacrifice. Then comes the peace of God. O oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. 
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. If you'd like to order our resource of the month from Tom Cantor, his book called Whosoever Will versus Fatalism, a great book from Tom Cantor that will scripturally answer the questions of what is fatalistic Calvinism and who can resist God's will and what are chosen and changed children and did God predestinate people to die and to go to hell. It's a great book that will show that we're all faced with a personal crisis of obedience and it also examines the character of God, his promises, and compares the teachings of fatalistic Calvinism with the question of what if God misled us or lied to us. And the most eye-opening part of this book is that Tom Cantor himself was once a fatalistic Calvinist. If you'd like a copy of this resource of the month, it's available for a donation of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program by calling us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or order it online at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Now, Tom Cantor also wants to invite you to Museum Day 2014 here at Santee, California in San Diego, California at the Creation and Earth History Museum. We have a Noah's Ark theme this year with an adventure land for kids as well as great speakers like Tom Cantor, Jason Lyle, Eric Hovind, Ray Comfort, and Bill Morgan as well as an Animals After the Ark show. It's great for all families. For more information, call 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. And remember, we need your support, your donations. This is a listener-supported program here at Friendship with God. If you enjoy the program, this teaching from Tom Cantor, please support us by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, donate online, or call us to become a monthly sponsor, 800-247-3051. Even a one-time sponsor, call us, 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051.